Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about taking risks. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, knuckle. Wait, knuckle to your way. Best way. Yeah, so after our last episode about failure, uh, I got a nice note from one of my students who who said, uh, let's see, she said, um, you might address the idea of risk in a podcast. I think a lot of things we think are risky have zero downside, like asking an air quotes famous person to appear on your podcast. So yeah, 100% mm-hmm. agree with this. I think it's a great idea. I know we touch on it from time to time, uh, because I, I know I remember telling the the Seth Godin Icarus deception story about our comfort zone and our safety zone and how they don't overlap anymore. So doing something comfortable is not safe, mm-hmm. which was not the, in the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, probably around that point in time when like careers still existed um, <laughs> as a as a this sort of corporate ladder type of career. It was a more popular thing. I think um, it, the safety zone and the comfort zone overlapped. It was like if you if you do the safe thing is comfortable and the comfortable thing is safe and you just, you know, get your car in every garage and a chicken in every pot type of American (laughs) dream thing on the other end. But in times of massive change, like volatile, lots, lots of progress and disruption, it's not safe to stay comfortable. And so pushing yourself outside Mm. of your comfort zone is the safe thing to do. So you get into this weird scenario where, something feels risky but it's actually the safe thing to do so we you know we were talking before the show like well what is risk it's a perception like what's smart risk what's dumb risk what's a calculated risk and you know everybody's tolerance is different so let's explore this let's explore this today yeah i think i like i like to start off with a definition of 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 is it a definition of risk? I, I think of risk, I don't know if it's a definition, but I think of risk in two ways. There's like the likelihood of a loss and there's the impact of a loss. So like mm. uh, like plane crash, you like getting on a plane is a very, very low likelihood, but the impact is about as big as it gets. <laughs> so so yeah. the impact is super, super high. Not just like not just like certain death, but like a really scary version of certain death. <laughs> like real true terror. So that and, and what the the what can happen is the impact of the risk of a potential loss is so dramatic that it blinds you to the the actual likelihood numbers. You know, you hear all the, you know, you, you hear that that it's it's more dangerous to drive to the airport than to fly to the next mm-hmm. city, right? Uh, because the the likelihood of a car accident is much, much, much higher, but the impact is generally not as not nowhere near a plane crash level impact. So right. those two, if if you don't think about both of those factors when you're evaluating risk, you can really get pulled in in the wrong direction. So, like a, the the opposite example of the um, uh, of the plane crash is like you know me walking out to take out the garbage in bare feet. Like the likelihood that I'm going to step on a rock or something is pretty high, but the impact is really low. So who cares? Like it's not that risky. It's mm-hmm. when you say it's not that risky, I think it both of the factors are low. I guess I guess when we're talking about risk, we need to dis, need to distinguish between the likelihood and the impact. When we say it's not that risky, or when you're thinking about your appetite for risk, 
you need to think like, well, the likelihood is is super, super low and the impact is really high. I just, I just don't believe it's going to happen. I'll roll the dice. Or you can say, well, the likelihood is pretty high, but the impact is really low, so it's no big deal. You see this a lot in like, like business, corporate business decisions where people are all just doing like, you know, low impact stuff that is uh, not that it's not that risky in terms of of uh, potential downside, you know, and they don't really they just they don't want to do anything that has any large potential downside, regardless of the likelihood. Yeah, yeah, you're you're moving just like a snail's pace. Mm-hmm. And your chances of breakthrough are really small. And, and that's that. the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. If you're not if you're not placing some bets that have a big payoff, then you're either not taking any risk or you're taking dumb risks. You know, so like for example, uh, if you if you ha- if you're doing I don't know security work or a lot of database work for enterprise clients, you know, you 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 could do something wrong, you know, perfect storm situation, and you like I don't know delete walmart's database of customers you delete walmart's customer <laughs> database oops oops so if you're doing work like that that could have you know the likelihood is like infinitesimal of that that could happen but let's say let's say you do that kind of work and you're not carrying like errors and emissions insurance that's dumb risk mm-hmm. you're not it, or, or if you yeah. haven't incorporated and you're just operating as like, a, you know, you own a home, but you haven't separated your personal and your business finances and, and incorporated, that risk is never going to pay off. There's no upside to that risk. It's just dumb risk because if something, something probably will never happen, but, but taking that risk will never pay off. Like the only thing that you're doing is saving like a hundred bucks a month or something. So yeah. it's, a, it's a silly, it's a silly risk because it has no payoff. The risks you take, you want them to have, if, if you don't, if they, in other words, you make a bet, there's a risk that it, there's a certain likelihood that it's going to fail and there's a certain impact if it does fail. But if it doesn't fail, there should be some payoff. <laughs> like it should, <laughs> right. It shouldn't be, right. I, I saved a hundred bucks. It should be like, wow, now I've like doubled my listenership to the podcast or now I've you know doubled my sales or my conversion rate for my uh, list signups or some kind of payoff if you're going to take a risk there should be some kind of payoff well there's also in that scenario there's everyone has a risk tolerance like I literally couldn't sleep if I didn't have something separating my business and personal life Mm -hmm. I just, that would just bug me. It's not a risk I would even consider taking aside from the payoff question. Yeah. So it's, it's also, it's your tolerance because I I do believe we, we want to make sure that we can sleep at night for the most part. We ought to have a few sleepless nights or we're not working hard enough on taking risks. Yeah. But you shouldn't lie awake being like, geez, I hope nobody takes my house. Yeah. (laughs) I think peace of mind, uh, peace of mind is, is the upside there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's valuable. I mean, I'll, I'll confess that when I was uh, young, I probably when I went and hung up my own shingle, I didn't know about E&O insurance. So it didn't, I didn't feel any, you know what I mean? I wasn't <laughs> making a decision. Um, but when I set up my business, like my lawyer and my uh, accountant were just like, it just it was like, as a matter of course, they were like, what about this? And I was like, what's that? Like, oh, well, <laughs> That covers you if you, you know, when you're doing software, that covers you in case like something goes horribly wrong. And like, I don't know, you take Amazon's website down on Black Tuesday, Black Tuesday. That's not a thing. Black (laughs) Thursday. Um, It's Black Friday, Jonathan. Is it? Oh, Thursday's Thanksgiving. Right, right. Uh, 
retail therapy. I, I need help. I took two shots at it and got it wrong both times. Low risk. We know you're not a shopper. Yeah, Cyber Monday is my jam. So what do we want to say? I, I mean, I, I want to kind of segue into uh, how to take calculated risks or how to take smart risks. But have we kind of exhausted the dumb risks? I, I mean, it's funny. I, sometimes I, I, I see the dumb risk looking back. I go, oh, I probably should have done X differently. But I think, you know, dumb risk is let's just try to be as smart as we can about the easy stuff. Anything that doesn't have a good upside is not a risk worth taking. I think where we really have a lot to talk about, and I think we have all dealt with this, is, you know, which risk going forward should I take and which ones are the smartest? Because we probably can't take all the risks at one time. Mm -hmm. We usually have choices, like what's the next thing I'm going to do? What is this direction? And short of pivots, I'm just talking about kind of what's the next logical thing to take a flyer on. Okay, so let's talk about that. Man, this touches on so many things. I know. It's kind of like, where do we start? Yeah. I, I like to start with the end in mind. So let's just take personal life out of this. You know, if you don't want to wear your seatbelt, that's up to you. Uh, but just talking about business, like businesses like ours, I mean, you've got it. You should hopefully have an objective and probably mo- not everyone does, but hopefully you have some kind of strategy for reaching that objective. Even if it's a little hazy, the, the less hazy, the better. And now you've got to me, the risk, the bets that you're making once you're in, in that situation, because if I guess it's kind of like if you're if you're working on your business and you don't have a clear objective and you don't have a strategy, that's that's a little bit like uh, well, you, you got to start there before we talk about taking risks. Yeah, yeah. like like start there, because then that's just kind of like wasting time, which you could categorize as a dumb risk because it's like it's like the odds of it paying off are a lot lower than it would be if you took a step back and made some decisions, but okay, let's just say you have that. You've got an objective. You've got a strategy to reach it. You're going to give it a shot for, you know, let's say six months to a year with the particular strategy, see how it pans out. I feel like that's a fairly, that's a much more normal situation for people to be in. And then the risk turns into these really little things that aren't risky. They Like maybe, maybe they are risky. Let's explore this. Maybe. Well, wait, they feel risky. That's really, that's the thing. Because what feels risky to you might not feel risky to me. Exactly. So it's things that feel risky. And I, I don't want to say objectively they're not, but I think, I think things, I think it's very common for people to be scared to do something and that they interpret that as that the thing is risky but whenever I talk them out of the tree, I'll say, well, how likely is it that that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And they'll say either, and it'll be low. They'll say low. And I'll say, and what would be the impact if it happened? And there's like right. none. It's yeah. like a, a mildly bruised ego. And it's even like a private bruising. It's not a public bruising. <laughs> so they'd be like, oh, you know, it just seems like, you know, if I launch a podcast and, and nobody listens then that would be a failure, you know, to, to kind of segue from last time. But it, so it feels, they, it feels like risky to start a podcast. Oh, I don't want to start a podcast and like nobody listens. Or I don't want to start a podcast and do three episodes and then quit. Or And, and these are perceived as like, I think, unreasonably high likelihood and impact in the gut reactions. Like the gut is perceiving the likelihood and impact to be way higher than it really is when you talk to the person and just say, well, like, 
how likely is it that literally no one is going to listen? They're like, well, you know, how, how many people? Not, it's not likely there's that my no mom, one's going to listen. <laughs> there's my sister. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most people, let's just stay on this one to keep it concrete. Most people believe, most people that are, you know, I teach a course on this. Most people, when you ask them, they're starting from ground zero, first podcast ever. Most people you talk to be like, I'll say like, could, do you think you could get 50 listeners? And they'll say, yeah, I could probably get 50. I mean, the world's a big place. This is a popular topic. You know, I'm, I'm one of many podcasts that are kind of in this area, but other ones have, you know, thousands and thousands of listeners. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I could get 50. Mm-hmm. But, you know, is 50 really worth it? And I'd be like, well, would you go speak at a meetup with 50 people and talk about this thing that you love? And they'd be like, yeah, of course I would. I'm like, well, okay, now you don't have to drive anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so the likelihood of no one listening is extremely low, even in their minds when you talk it through. And the impact of even if no one listened, well, then no one knew. So not, <laughs> no one's like, no, you're like, you don't have some arch enemy like doofenshmirtz over there being like, yeah, no one's going to listen. No one's listening to his podcast. Like no one knows or cares. Like you're the only one who's worried about it. So yeah. it's, it's like, yeah. Um, well, yeah, because that's the thing is in that scenario you describe, you're really putting yourself out there. And I think sometimes what we're looking for when we like push back on all those things is we're looking for an excuse not to do it. Yeah, it's the resistance coming up yeah. with excuses, right? It's yeah. A lizard, it's total lizard brain. There's nothing rational about it. Exactly. And it's, I just think it's, that's why it's helpful to have somebody else to talk it through. Mm-hmm. And I love that if, if nobody's listening, then nobody cares. Boom, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no one to embarrass you, to be embarrassed in front of. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we can't underestimate that ego feeling because listen, we all have that. We all want to be, you know, a star in air quotes. Um, but I think the other thing that's interesting in that particular example is because of social media, it feels like we're all so, so visible. So exposed. Yeah. Yeah. We're not really. It just, it's, it's a construct and you can use that to your advantage but I think using it as an excuse not to be seen is dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes against, we've talked about this before, but I'm going to say it again. It goes against your like evolutionary instinct to stay with the crowd, stay with the herd. Do not get yeah. separated from the herd. If you get separated from yeah. the herd, you, the wolves will get you. Mm-hmm. But that's, that is not the society we live in anymore. That is not the culture. You need to stand out from the crowd. You need to. And it feels risky, but it's not your, it's not, it's, yeah. It's, it's lizard brain risky, which is different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I always say to people when they're jokingly, when if someone is, is really stuck, I would say, well, like, you know, especially I could remember when I was on the speaking circuit, there was always someone who had really bad stage fright. And I'm like, it's not like lightning is going to hit you. Like, you're going to be fine. No, what's the worst <laughs> possible thing that could happen? Like, your fly's not down. I'm content. Your fly's up you're fine. It's going to be fine. I, I just have to mention this because my husband years ago was on stage and was actually struck by lightning. <laughs> no way. I'm serious. They were in a, it was a musical number and two of them got struck by lightning. Oh my God. Yeah. He's fine. The other guy's fine. But yeah, so it, it actually, for those of you really worried about risk. <laughs> you're not going to get hit by lightning. And even if you do, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. I can tell you, you'll be fine. Wow. Let me know. You can talk to my husband. You can be <laughs> hit by lightning on a stage mm. and still be fine. Well, that explains the hair. 
It does, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, uh-huh. so uh, the reason I was talking about podcasting and the that like risk that the lizard brain fear, and then the rational your rational mind like says, oh, that seems risky. It's like your brain trying to, to put a label, a rational label on something that's not rational. Uh, is mm. because podcasting is one of those things that that might come up in the strategy that you're using to reach your objective. So like podcasting, putting yourself out there, taking the risk, sticking your neck out, like all of these all all of these sort of metaphors, cliches, going out on a limb. Like the the metaphor is like life or death, but the reality is, is no risk. I mean, like there's no the impact the impact is so low the likelihood might not be zero that it will fail but the impact is like nothing all you would potentially lose is some time that you put into it but you're learning how to do it maybe you'll you know you'll be better next time the next time you try and the upside is huge well that's what i say the impact of a win i mean if you compare that to the difference impact of loss versus an Im- the impact of a win right and as as long as Having a podcast and building authority in that way and and creating that asymmetric intimacy that a podcast does, as long as that aligns with your strategy, then you will stand to benefit from the upside. Well, you're leveraging risk. I'm thinking of a, a client I worked with who had everything on video, but nothing in writing. So, you know, an easy next step is, well, let's translate some of the videos into something in writing so that people who are not going to sit and watch a five minute video might read a piece. You know, it's it's looking for leveraging risks. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, leverage from the financial world, th- that's what leverage is. I, get, I mean, I'm not really a finance guy, but that's basically it. It's like, okay, I'm going to borrow some money to make an investment, and there's a risk. Like, the, if the investment doesn't pay off, then it's going to be hard for me to pay back the money. So you you need to mitigate. It's not even mitigate it so much. It's the Mitigation is a separate thing. You, you want to optimize. I think the earlier word you used, you want to optimize that. So you don't want to borrow a bunch of money for something that has a low potential return. Like if you can put money in the bank, like you can't even make 1% now, but if you could put money in the bank and, and make 1% and you're going to borrow money at 5%, what do you have to earn to make the risk of borrowing the money worth it? Right. And you, we might answer that question differently. It might be 10%. It might be 50%. It might be 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean... I mean, that's one way to think about it. Yes. There's a, there's, a, I find myself struggling between mitigating the risk and educating myself about the reality of the risk. So there's like a homework component, which is not changing the risk. It's just making, yeah. it's changing how I perceive it. Yeah. It's knowing the risk right. to yourself is really understanding all the facets of the risk. Right. So for people who fear failure, perhaps it's irrational. Uh, you know, with these little things like starting a mailing list or a podcast or th- things that are like about as far from life-threatening as it gets, then it can help to do things like we've talked about in the past, you know, testing with a tweet, interviewing people in the market. Yeah, Here's a good example of where my risk tolerance is. So like if, I, if I'm working with someone and they're like, I'm like, man, you really need a book. You, I can't promise it's going to do anything for you, but it's a glaring it's a glaring gap. Like you should write a book, but, and this is not, and I'm talking to someone about this right now. He's probably listening. Hello. Um, But (laughs) I've had this conversation with lots of other people too. It's like a book would be perfect Mm -hmm. for your practice. It would help position you. It would help you stand out from the crowd. But 
it's a six month undertaking. It's a marathon. It's a lot of work. You probably have to give up some client work to be able to carve out the time to do it. So it'll have a hit on your earnings short term. Right. Yep. So it's a big time investment. And that feels risky to me. That increases the risk. Uh, in, in other words, the, it increases the loss if it doesn't pan out. Mm-hmm. So I would say, okay, what is the upside? Rather than just saying like, oh, you know, I'm starting my own company, the place where I worked before, my boss wrote a book and that magically brought in clients. So I'll just write a book and magic will happen and I'll get clients. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, okay, maybe. But if that's not enough for you, you don't believe that it, you, you don't have that leap of faith happening in your head, then it's you might want to do some research into, well, what audience can I reach? What audience do I already have access to? Where in the market is, is there an opening? Is there another book that's kind of like this, but mine would be a different take on it? Like kind of research the market, research the audience, research the other things out there and get yourself a little bit more. I, I suppose this is potentially increasing the likelihood of success. Yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is. It's not just educating yourself because you're potentially writing a different book based on this research. Well, yeah. If this is sending you in the direction you're going to choose. It's not like you pick the direction, you do the research, and it's exactly on point. You're probably going to shift something. Yeah, almost always. Yeah. So you're you're improving both numbers in that case, you know, with in, in the positive direction by doing some research and possibly changing the product based on the research, whatever the thing is that you're building, whether it's a podcast or a book or whatever. The other thing that I think is important is to know what failure looks like or what success looks like. Yeah. You can still be wrong, but I think having that picture of it will help identify the risk for you. Right. Yes. And perhaps frame a what someone might call a failure as a success. So if the if you go into it and you say this book is to make me a bunch of money versus I, I, this book is not going to directly make me money from sales, it's going to be a 300-page business card, then failure, depending on which one of those things you're intending to do, uh, failures and success are going to look different in both of those scenarios. So like a book that makes you a lot of money but doesn't increase your authority, but you wanted it to be a, a doorway into consulting gigs um, is... That, you know, it, it's it's a success in one sense, but it didn't do what you wanted it to. Mm-hmm. For, here's a, here's a, an example from the show. Uh, how do you pronounce your name? Carrie Lachlan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when Carrie Lachlan, Lachlan came on, uh, she, you know, she's on TV for crying out loud. And I was and I was wondering and one of us asked, uh, you know, what did it do for her her business when you know she she was basically famous right like mm-hmm. like now you're famous what did that do for your business and my assumption was that it would be great for business like raise your fee you know booked out the door raise your fees to uh, address the demand and her reaction was her answer was like not really people people assume she's really expensive so sure it didn't actually increase her leads that much because she's like on tv i can't afford right. her right and she also mentioned i'd have to go back and listen but i think she mentioned something too about her local where she is located. yeah because carrie had moved from la back to new jersey and along the coastline of new jersey there's a lot of small like mom and pop hotels mm. And she had been on a show. I'm not sure if it was Hotel Impossible. It was one of those where she remade the 
the designs of the hotel properties in the rooms. So she was getting work from those folks. And then the new show just, you know, upped her visibility and got her more Mm -hmm. of what she was already getting. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so not knowing that story, I would have thought like, you know, either one of us, like, hey, if we had, a, you know, geez, we should try and get a TV show. Yeah, then, we'll like, be rich. Then we'll be rich and famous. <laughs> and it's kind of like, she's like, eh, you know, it was a lot of work. And I kind of have the same business now that I did before. It didn't really, depending on what she was judging success or failure by, you know, I mean, she, she seemed very happy to have the opportunity. But, oh, yeah. But personally, if I thought... You know, if I if I for some if someone was like, oh, we want to make a, a business impossible, freelance impossible, <laughs> freelance impossible <laughs> TV series where you go around and smack people for billing by the hour or whatever, you just take off your shoe and hit them. Um, I would assume, like, oh, that would be great for business, but but oh, there's I a rule of thumb it, with the, with those. Yeah, there's a rule of thumb. You've got to do it for three years. Oh, really? Before you'll make money from the show. Wow. And I'm not talking about driving other businesses. You could, you know, do a real housewives thing and, and have a lot of fame and fortune very quickly if you have the vehicle mm-hmm. to monetize this sudden celebrity that you're getting. You have to have something to sell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I would sell bedazzled jeans. Obviously. I, uh, I on Black Friday. <laughs> Black Tuesday. <laughs> um <laughs> Every week has a Black Tuesday. Yeah. So anyway, so the the point is, if you don't, so like this opportunity comes along, if you don't have a strategy, you're not clear what your objective is, and you're unclear on what success would be for this possible opportunity, then, I mean, then we're having a whole different conversation because you don't even know what your risk, you're just like throwing money on a roulette wheel and not picking anything. You know, it's, you just like... I don't know. Well, and it happens more often than we think. I, no, I see it all the time. Yeah. it. I mean, everybody gets these things in their email box and they're like, oh, I need to do that. And when, if you just, you know, take a deep breath and start to explore what the offer, quote unquote, is, then a lot of times what you find is it's something that really serves the person making the offer, mm-hmm. but is an unnecessary detour for you. Right, a distraction because it doesn't yeah. align with your strategy. Right, opportunity no strategy, or distraction. Yeah, yeah. So if we if we assume that we're that we're only talking about opportunities, then yeah, you still want to you still want to have like what does success look like if I'm going to invest six months of my life into this TV show or this podcast or this book? You know, the risk is that God, I can't even bring myself to say it. the The risk is that you're going to lose that time. But probably for people who run businesses like us, any one of those three things is going to be beneficial in some way, even if it doesn't succeed in the way that that you imagined or didn't even imagine, just like instinctually thought, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of this podcast. Like for you, it was like a no brainer. But for me to do a podcast was a big thing. Did it feel risky? No, but it, it felt risky without you. I see. Like, because I wanted to do it, Mm -hmm. like sort of. I mean, you know, if we talk about want and need, I guess I didn't really want to do it. I kept thinking (laughs) it just felt like it was going to be so much work because, you know, I had to figure out who I wanted to have on the show. I had to do the research. I had to record the episodes. I had to figure out all the editing stuff. And it just felt, 
it felt like a big risk, but I wasn't sure what the return would be. It felt sort of amorphous, but I had it on my radar. It was just a little fuzzy. And so then when you and I talked, I'm like, oh, all the stuff I was worried about is taken care of. And I can focus on the stuff that really matters i.e., which is what are we producing? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the content that comes out of this and does it help people and who does it help and all that stuff? So, yeah, if all those fails people and you're worried about a podcast, find a podcast partner. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much easier to do when, when you've got somebody else to bounce it off of. Right. And so if we, if we take that into like the, the risk terminology, what happened when uh, you, before you were talking to me, before we were talking, your ante, like your your bet, your your investment, the money you you were going to have to put on the table to roll the dice, you didn't really know how much it was, and you thought it was going to be a lot. You thought it was going to be a lot of money to ante into this game to roll the dice for you don't know what. Right? Well, not money though, time. No, 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 I wasn't I, worried just, about the money. Oh, okay, you're you're equating the two. Yeah, metaphorically. I'm you're, with you. You didn't understand how big your you thought your investment was going to be really big. Yes, and the, I and, did. And then you roll the dice and like, what is the payoff? I'm not even sure. So then when you talked to me, I was like, oh no, no, it's first of all, I'll put the money on the table, and it's way less than you think. Mm-hmm. And not again, not literal money just like the time investment right. all of this stuff it's it's way easier than you thought it's much less and it's so easy for me i'll just do it so you get to roll the dice for free and, yeah right <laughs> it was a, then, that was an easy yes <laughs> right and then and then if you just believe there's going to be a minor payoff all of a sudden it changes the equation because the investment was so much lower that the payoff could be lower and still be and still be positive. okay right so now we're talking about cost price and value but uh, essentially, but yeah, in a sense, you could call that the undertaking was de-risked for you because you didn't have to put that big pile of money on the t- you know metaphorical money metaphorically yeah. into it to uh, get some kind of payoffs. You're like, oh well, this aligns with the kind of business I have, so that's it's in alignment. It's not a distraction, and if it gets totally de-risked, then heck yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I I figured for me, what's the worst that could happen, right? The worst that could happen is you could turn out to be a terrible person (laughs) and I would hate doing the podcast. I would dread every Tuesday morning and it's just the opposite. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. been great. I I love Tuesday mornings. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I feel like I'm sucking the whole conversation into like strategy, but it is, it is. It is. It's very tightly aligned. It's like, it, because it because you want it you don't have unlimited time or money so you want to place smart bets so so placing bets on something that aren't aligned with your strategy or your strategy doesn't exist is just a waste i don't know if i want to call it risky but i guess you are risking the time and money investment for no no likely payoff so likelihood is very low of anything good happening Well, let's make an assumption about risk because I want to go to this feeling idea of risk. So if we agree that there are only so many risks you can take at one time, and one of the things that happens emotionally with risk is, and it impacts us differently, is there's something that's aroused in us, fear, worry, and it, it, it can uh, manifest in different ways. Like for some people, it'd be, I'm not going to sleep. For other people, maybe they bite their nails right? Mm-hmm. Or they drink too much or, you know, whatever that is. It's what's that feeling of that risk. And you can only 
feel that way for so many things, right? So it's what is the most important thing that's going to move your business ahead Mm -hmm. that's worth that feeling. And again, we might feel different ways. Like I could look at doing a podcast and be deer in the headlights terrified Mm-hmm. And somebody else got, that's nothing. But boy, I sure don't want to start an Instagram account. That's yeah. you know, that's my Achilles heel. So right. it's really understanding that and then knowing you can't do everything. Right. Yeah, well, that's the whole, I mean, that's, if if we had unlimited time and money, strategy wouldn't be necessary. It would be, you wouldn't even be human anymore. You'd like, that's a whole different Yeah, we just do what we want. Yeah, you just do whatever. You probably wouldn't do anything because it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Why, why bother? Just tell jokes all the time. I, I have a boredom threshold, so I'd have to do something. But yeah, yeah I get you. Yeah. So it, it's they do feel intrinsically tied. Like like on the one hand, I feel like when we started off, I wanted to talk mostly, or we were planning to talk mostly about being realistic about what is what is really risky and what's just your lizard brain throwing excuses at you so that you don't have to mm-hmm. do it, so you can stay in your comfort zone. But then once you get over that hump, you still are faced with this decision of like, okay, which there's like a meta risk, which is betting on the wrong things. So it's like, so I suppose step one is like, take some risks. You know what I mean? It's like, and and ones that are going to pay off, take some risks, do what you can to bet on things that are probably going to pay off or that at least have some payoff and then uh, prioritize which thing you're going to do based on your objective and like how you're trying to achieve your the outcome. It is yeah. it does feel like a little bit of a three-step process where you're like, okay, start taking some risks and if that's where you're if that's where you're stuck, then ask yourself, well, really what is the impact if what are the what's the likelihood and what is the impact if this went horribly wrong? What's the you know, how likely is it to go horribly wrong and how horrible is horrible? Like if that's where you're stuck, then just ask yourself those questions and probably you'll find that like literally nothing bad can happen to you other than a privately bruised ego. And then up from there, it's like, okay, I'm ready to take risks. Which one is good? Which ones could have some payoff and then decide which one you're going to do today because you can't, if you take, like you said, too many risks at once, you'll be up all night with your brain racing. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, it's built into what you said, but there's this execution idea because a lot of the risks are not, we do it once and then it's over. It's we have to keep doing it. And the example I'm thinking is a friend of mine has decided that she's going to pitch herself once a week to a particular set of a media people. And she's got different ideas about what she's going to do. So the first week she did it, she's like, this is great. I pitched it. Phew. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to do what, Yeah, exactly. And then something else happened in her life that got really busy. And she's like, uh-oh, I didn't do one this week. Mm-hmm. And I promised myself I was going to do one a week. I think it's okay that I didn't because I had this other thing that's really important. But if I do more than two or three weeks of that, I'm not going to get back. And my response was, do it anyway. Doesn't matter how busy you are. This is a commitment. It's a calculated risk. You've already decided you've got to execute. And so sometimes you just need to have a system in place to make sure that you do it. Mm -hmm. And for one person, it might be, okay, Monday morning, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do that pitch and I'm going to get it out. And and then I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the week. For somebody else, they're going to procrastinate until Friday at (laughs) four o'clock before they write that darn pitch. And guess what? Nobody's going to read it if you send it at four o'clock on a Friday. (laughs) 
So yeah, it's, it's that execution. You've got to set yourself up for success with this. Yeah, I mean, we could probably, we could definitely do a whole episode on that alone. Yeah. Because it's like... Well, it's going back to that making it a habit, really, is what it's about. And it's, there are certain risks we take that are not habit at all. You know, it's one and done. Like, all right, I'm rolling my dice now, and this is this is it. But for others, it's building in some sort of regular risk-taking. Like, let's, let's use the podcast example. If it's just you all by yourself, there's nobody saying, gee, where's the next episode? You might get lazy. And, you know, maybe you have five episodes ready to go, and then you go, well, I could skip a week. Mm-hmm. We, should, we should do a whole show on this. Like for for me, the investment is figuring out what my SOP is going to be, and getting in like setting up that routine. That's that's all the work, because I got to figure out a way to get it down to minimal friction. And then once I've got it to minimal friction, then it'll be no big deal. It's kind of set it and forget it, and it's my routine on Sunday morning after I do the comic. That's it. Yeah. Oh my God, that is so it. It's just getting it to where it's a routine. Yeah, I actually think we're alike that way, except you're able to write code, which I cannot do. So I'll systematize maybe in a different way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's once for me, once I have that list, and it's really, it's usually a checklist. And I do it that way because I want to be able to hand it off. So I want right. exact instructions. Like on my group coaching, which is twice a month, I'm going to forget. So I have a checklist. Otherwise, I won't remember, oh, yeah, I have to post this at nine o'clock on the day of and I have to do that here and I have to do that. So it just makes it, uh, if not exactly frictionless, it at least tells me what to do. So I don't have to wonder. I don't have to spend brain time. It's straight execution. Exactly. But then I also build in um, time to get ready for that that call. What am I going to do? What am I going to put together? What do I need to do? so So it's built in. Frictionless, I don't know, but it's, I know I have to do it. It gets into my day and I'm not doing it, you know, at midnight the night before running around trying to get ready. I've given it thought. I've given it my best effort. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe next week we could talk about like an execution show and like some of these, I don't know if that'd be interesting or not. Maybe people could let us know, but. Yeah. Let us know if that sounds like the most boring thing ever or if it would be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because I'm looking at, I have a, a, a clear plexiglass thing on my desk that has all my checklists on it. <laughs> cool. It's the only thing I have like tangible. I, otherwise everything's virtual. It's in my computer. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we do that if people, if that sounds interesting. Yeah. Let us know. All right, so to wrap up on risk, um, do, I think we covered everything. Did we leave anything out? The important thing is is to take risks, right? To, you know, and you think about them and know that you look at risks differently than anybody else. And what matters is how you look at this and then get somebody else to bounce this off of because you may have this block about something that feels so risky to you when really it's just an ego risk. And, you know, we don't die from those. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Great. All right, folks. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.